the assassin. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. What up, y'all? You're listening to Sports Talk with Trop, and I'm your host, Katie Trop. Well, Welcome to the first weekend without any football. No college football, no NFL football, just a shitty-ass Pro Bowl. So, huh, if you're into that, congratulations to you, but I am most certainly not. As a matter of fact, the Pro Bowl is a complete and utter waste of time, especially now that it's flag football, so who gives a fuck about that shit? But, oh, man, no football. It always it always sucks. The end of the season is always so bittersweet because, you know, you want to watch playoff football. You're excited to see who goes to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, if your team is in the Super Bowl, you're even more excited. But then it's like we're whittling it down, and then we get to February. Ugh. And everybody knows February is just the worst month for sports fans. So first weekend without football. Thank God we have basketball. And with that being said, we had us a crazy week of basketball. So let's uh, recap some things that happened this week. It has been an up and down week for certain teams. Um, Let's go ahead and begin on Monday night. Uh, The Denver Nuggets beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a very close matchup, uh, 113 to 107. This was actually Doc Rivers' debut as the coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. And Jokic do what Jokic do, and that is get a triple-double. He had 25 points, 16 rebounds, and 12 assists. And then he also got a big boost uh, from Jamal Murray, who also had 35 points. Uh, Milwaukee played a good game. It's just uh, down the stretch, they just kind of faltered. And uh, Denver, they are the defending champs, so... Got to bring your A game to them every time, and uh, it just wasn't, uh, it just was not Milwaukee's night. So uh, uh, Denver got the win 113 to 107. Then also on Monday night, we had a big game between uh, division rivals, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Timberwolves ended up winning a close one, 107 to 101. Anthony Edwards had a big night, 27 points. Carl Anthony Towns had a double-double with 21 points and 10 rebounds, and then Rudy Gobert also had a double-double with 12 points and 18 rebounds, so... The big three right there, they are getting stronger as the season goes on. And they took out a a good team. And, I mean, it was a battle between both of them. But uh, Minnesota got the best of uh, Oklahoma City in that matchup. And then also on Monday night, we had uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers take out the Los Angeles Clippers 118-108. to uh, the Clippers had been on a, a nice little winning streak there until they uh, walked into Cleveland, who's uh, actually now on a winning streak themselves. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had a double-double, 28 points, 12 assists. Um, but uh, on the opposite side of the court, uh, Kawhi Leonard had a huge night, uh, 30 points. He's actually having a fantastic season so far. Uh, now that he's not injured, you know, Kawhi is uh, one of the best players in the league. And uh, so far, having a fantastic season. So we'll see what uh, the Clippers are able to do. But uh, they did get beat by Cleveland. Then on Tuesday night, uh, the Boston Celtics uh, just beat the Indiana Pacers 129-124. to Jason Tatum had a huge night with 30 points, and then Jalen Brown also had a nice nice night with 25 points. And, uh, you know, Indiana, they've been playing uh, – they've been – They've been playing really well this year. They're just a very, um, they're a silent but deadly team, and they've been taking it to every team that they've played this year, and they've beat some really good teams as well along the way. So it's going to be interesting to see if Indiana is able to kind of keep this up. Uh, But losing to Boston, you don't want to do that. But also, they made it a game. So 
Then we had uh, the New York Knicks take out the Utah Jazz, which continued their eight-game winning streak. They won 118-103. to 103. Jalen Brunson just went off for 29 points. Dante DiVincenzo also had a great night with 33 points. And uh, this was their first game uh, with... Uh, without uh, Julius Randle, who uh, suffered the dislocated shoulder, and uh, they they didn't seem to lose a step at all. As a matter of fact, there's another game I'm going to talk about later uh, where they just keep it rolling. The, the Knicks are looking pretty solid, even though they've got the, uh, the injury right now. <clears throat> then moving on to uh, Wednesday, another battle between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Denver Nuggets. This time, Oklahoma City gets the better of the Nuggets, 105-100. to 100. Um, In this matchup, there was no Nikola Jokic, though, so... Uh, but, I mean, still, it was a close matchup anyways. Uh, but uh, SGA went off for 34 points and uh, just another big win for the Oklahoma City Thunder as they just keep maintaining uh, the, this little bit, this, this nice winning streak that they've got going on throughout the season. Uh, then the uh, then we had the return of Dame Lillard to uh, Portland Trailblazers. Unfortunately for him, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, just fell short to Portland, one nineteen to one one sixteen. It was a battle pretty much all night. Damian Lillard had twenty five points, uh, but on the opposite side of things, uh, Anthony Simons had twenty four points, and then uh, Aiton had twenty points and eleven rebounds. So uh, it was a nice win for the Portland Trailblazers, and not a very fun homecoming for uh, Damian Lillard. But you also Notice the theme here that the Milwaukee Bucks have been losing uh, basically since uh, Doc debuted. He has not; he has yet to get a win. I mean, obviously, that's probably going to change at some point here, but uh, that's two big losses this week uh, to the Bucks, and they're close ones too. Not uh, not blowouts or anything, but uh, they're they're losing close ones. And I mean, Portland's not a very good team either, so you don't really want to be losing to that team. But uh, they did. And then on uh, Thursday night, the New York Knicks. They continued their winning streak at nine now, taking down the Indiana Pacers 109 to 105 in a battle. Jalen Brunson had 40 points. This guy cannot be stopped. He is really, he is really just taking this team over. Since he uh, since he went to the team last year, he was a huge reason why they were so good last year. And they did fall short, of course, in the playoffs. But I, I just kind of feel like this year is going to be a little bit different. Uh, than it's been, at least so far. I mean, Jalen Brunson is just, he's just killing it right now. In a nine-game winning streak, this team's playing defense, and they're beating really good teams. <clears throat> Hopefully, they're able to keep it up, but uh, so far at this rate, Jalen Brunson is having a phenomenal season. Uh, then, in a shocking turn of events, the Los Angeles Lakers beat the crap out of the Boston Celtics last night, 114-105. to The most surprising thing about this is that uh, prior to the game, we found out that neither LeBron or Anthony Davis were playing last night. So I even was like, should I even bother watching this game? So I decided I'm going to see how it goes. And it turned out it was straight up Lakers domination. Uh, Reeves went off. He had 32 points last night. And it was just a really overall good game uh, from the Lakers. They were distributing the ball really well. Uh, they were playing defense really well. They just made some really big plays against a really good team. And uh, the Celtics are the top team in the league. I mean, if you listen to my power rankings, they've been number one for the majority of the season, as they were last year. But it's just, they're such a weird team because they're so dominating. But it's like, are they really that good? And I guess we'll obviously find out once the playoffs roll around because I don't think they're going to fall off the face of the earth. It's just that they're uh, they're losing to not so good teams at this point. I mean, the Lakers are not a good team. This team's uh, floundering, 500 uh, barely their team. And then when you hear that LeBron and AD aren't playing, like I said, I was like, God, that sucks. Should I watch this game? And glad I did because it turned out to be a really, really good game. But uh, 
with the Celtics, it's probably kind of concerning. I mean, yes, they still have plenty of time to kind of clean things up, but this is kind of what we've been expecting from Boston over the couple, the last few years. They've had their, they've been really good throughout the regular season, and uh, but then when faced with the tough challenges, they tend to fall short and uh, losing to the Lakers last night, and they were in Boston too. With no LeBron and AD, come on. That should have been an ass-kicking from Boston. And it turned out it was an ass-kicking from the Lakers. And then another big game last night. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers took out the Utah Jazz 127-124. It was actually announced before the game that Joel Embiid was not going to play. It turns out he has uh, some sort of injury to his uh, uh, one of his, his meniscus in his, um, in his knee. Uh, you know, he's missed a couple of games due to knee soreness. And now it looks like it's... Uh, Kind of a serious injury, so he did not play last night. But Tyrese Maxey came back from injury, and he went off for 51 points. So he said, you know what? You sit down, Embiid. I'm going to go ahead and take this over tonight. And uh, they got a huge win that they definitely needed because the Sixers are sliding. Now that Embiid has been uh, battling the knee injury, they really haven't been playing well. But uh, Maxey really stepped it up last night. Um, and a little bit of NFL news this week. The last two coaching positions have now officially been filled. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks hired uh, Baltimore uh, Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald for their co- head coaching position. And then the Washington Commanders ended up hiring, hiring uh, Dan Quinn, the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. So uh, we'll see how, uh, how that works out for the both of them. But now we are all the coaching positions are officially filled. Uh, in an odd turn of events, Bill Belichick is not hired with anybody uh, for whatever reason. Uh, Maybe he wants to sit back and wait for a year, or uh, maybe nobody wanted him. Either way, uh, it was kind of weird. And then also Mike Vrabel uh, did not get a job either. So we'll see. Uh, Those are going to be potential names out there for next year, of course. But uh, we'll see what happens with the both of them if they end up uh, going uh, to some type of commentating. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are trying to go after Bill Belichick. And then, of course, Vrabel, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up as a, a defensive coordinator somewhere or if he just takes the year off and waits until next year. And uh, since we have no NFL this week, I thought uh, it would be a, a good uh, idea to recap all my uh, preseason NFL picks to see how uh, terrible or uh, good I did with my picks. Now, I'd say I, I usually am about like 50-50, and uh, it turns out this year I was about 50-50. So let's, uh, let's see uh, what my preseason picks were compared to what they ended up being at the end of the season. So in the NFC, I thought the number one overall seed was going to be my Dallas Cowboys. Well, they didn't do too bad. They did end up with the number two seed, but uh, uh, not as dominating as I hope I was hoping they were going to be, but uh, that's who I had at number one. And my number two seed I had was the Minnesota Vikings. My number three seed I had was the Los Angeles Rams. And it uh, turns out I was riding that Rams train uh, from the, the preseason. So uh, I wasn't really that surprised by their little run. Then my number four seed, I had the New Orleans Saints, who, of course, did not make the playoffs. And then my number five seed, I had the Philadelphia Eagles, so I was right there. And then my number six seed I had was the San Francisco 49ers. So, uh, yeah, that was a dumb uh, dumb pick there. And then my number seven seed I has, had was the Chicago Bears. So I had them actually doing something, and they did not. Then in the AFC, I had my number one overall seed as the Kansas City Chiefs. Not number one overall seed this year, but uh, they're in the Super Bowl, so I guess uh, I had high hopes for them. Then my number two seed I had is the Buffalo Bills, which is where they ended up being. Number three, I had the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, they went nowhere because there was no Joe Burrow to help them out. 
then number four, I had the Jacksonville Jaguars, who completely um, imploded as the season went on. Then my number five seed I had was the New York Jets. Of course, their season was marred by uh, Aaron Rodgers' injury right off the bat. Then at number six, I had the Chargers, who ended up firing their coach midseason. And then at number seven, I had the Baltimore Ravens, who ended up being the number one overall seed. Uh, so I had expectations for them, but, but not high expectations. Uh, then I thought the NFC Conference Championship was going to be the Los Angeles Rams versus the Dallas Cowboys. and eh, did not happen. And then the AFC Conference Championship, I had the Kansas City Chiefs versus the New York Jets. Obviously, I was half right on that one. And then my Super Bowl prediction, I had the Dallas Cowboys versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So I was half right on that. And then my championship, my champion, of course, I had as my Dallas Cowboys, which... Uh, was far from it, uh, but uh, I was half right. I got the the Chiefs in there, so uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, those were my uh, preseason NFL predictions, and uh, they were pretty bad. But uh, that's I bet uh, if most people actually recap their preseason uh, predictions, that's how the majority of them would look, which is why most people don't do it because uh, they care so much about being wrong, and I just couldn't care less because it's just opinion bullshit, and opinion and opinion bullshit never. Matters for anything, even if you're right. All right, so uh, we do have a top five list this week. I decided to do something a little uh, more fun. Um, it's uh, it, what kind of started it is, uh, you know, the argument over, especially this year, has been over uh, Brock Purdy. Is he a great quarterback? Is he a terrible quarterback? Is he a game manager? Is he this? Is he that? And I've been pretty consistent with my opinion on him. Um, so far, I've been impressed with what he's done, but he's only two years in the league as a starter. You never know where somebody's career is going to end up. I mean, let's use Russell Wilson as the perfect example. The dude goes from uh, being drafted by the uh, the Seattle Seahawks, kind of being, uh, he, he was drafted low, about third, fourth round. I can't remember. I think it was third or fourth one of those two, um, and you know, not a lot of high hopes for him. But he's he's goes in as the backup, then ends up earning the starting position, takes the Seahawks to two Super Bowls, wins one, loses one, and then all of a sudden, um, they he starts losing in Seattle, then gets traded to the Broncos, does terrible there, and it looks like he's going to get traded away or released from the Broncos. So that's what I mean. You don't you. To me, you have to let somebody's career play out before you start crowning them certain things. And so that's where I'm at with Brock Purdy is I haven't really judged much of him past what he's done. I, I'm not going to say he's the, the second coming of Joe Montana, and I'm not going to say he's the second coming of crap bag McDouchebag. You know, like, who? you don't know. He's two years in the league. Um, so with that being said, I decided to do um, the top five mediocre Super Bowl champion quarterbacks because... Uh, there are some mediocre quarterbacks who have actually ended up winning the Super Bowl. Now, if you actually look at the list uh, of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, because these are Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, not not just guys who have made the Super Bowl, but these are ones who have actually won the Super Bowl because any chump can pretty much just make the Super Bowl. Winning, it's a big deal. Um, but when you look at the list of the, the the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, it's all Hall of Famers. It's all dudes who belong there. But then, of course, there's these other guys sprinkled in, and you're like, damn, that guy won a Super Bowl. But that just goes to show you <clears throat> it's a team sport. An entire team wins, and it doesn't matter how mediocre you are or whatever. If you just step it up at the right time, you could end up being a Super Bowl champion like uh, these five guys. Uh, but basically, what makes, makes them mediocre is not just 
kind of the way we looked at them when they made the Super Bowl, but also just their careers overall. Every single one of them <clears throat> has been a journeyman. He goes from team to team to team and uh, just happened to be in the right place at the right time, which doesn't, it's not a bad thing. If you are a Super Bowl champion, you are a Super Bowl champion, but <clears throat> these five quarterbacks were very, very mediocre, but still Super Bowl champions. So let's start off with number five, and that would be Trent Dilfer. He won Super Bowl 35 with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, in that season, he he actually he had signed with them in the offseason, uh, wasn't expected to be the starter, and then he actually ended up taking over midseason. They would go on this crazy winning streak, which would what keep which was what would keep him in the game. They actually had a very nice playoff run, and he would just do what he would do. Now, if you remember this Baltimore Ravens team, you know, this had Ray Lewis on it and you know guys of that nature they were just a, a, one of the greatest defenses of all time for sure um so it, he had a, a fantastic team surrounding him with some uh, really good weapons as well but uh the thing about Trent Dilfer is is just overall his career he was a straight up journeyman he started off with the <clears throat> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then the, to the Baltimore Ravens, then the Seattle Seahawks, the Cleveland Browns, and then the San Francisco 49ers. His career record is 58 and 55, so that's very mediocre. <clears throat> his uh, quarterback rating is a 70.2 for his career, so once again, mediocre. <clears throat> and then, of course, this was his only season with Baltimore. As a matter of fact, he would be let go in the offseason because he, he only signed a one-year deal. <clears throat> He only signed a one-year deal with Baltimore, and they just would end up not bringing him back. And uh, they, they wouldn't be a good team, of course, but, I, I mean, that's how much faith they had in him is that he wasn't even good after winning us a Super Bowl. Um, and, and really, if you look at his entire career as a whole, he played as a starter in Tampa for the most part. He played as a starter for his first year, the first and only year with Baltimore, and then he was pretty much backup central the rest of his career. And uh, the only other season he had that was a winning season was a 10-6 and six season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so overall, that's why he belongs on this list. He's a very mediocre quarterback who had a very mediocre career, <clears throat> but still goes down in history as a Super Bowl champion, and you can't take that away from him. Then at number four on my top five mediocre Super Bowl champion quarterbacks, Brad Johnson. He won Super Bowl 37 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He started off his career with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he would actually have a little stint over in London in the uh, European Football League, which no longer exists. Uh, then he would come back and play with the Washington Redskins, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Minnesota Vikings, and end his career with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the season that he would end up winning the Super Bowl is one of his best seasons, he actually had a couple of really good seasons where uh, when he first started, because he, he had two stints with the Vikings. He started his career off with the Vikings and then had another, um, and kind of ended his career with the Vikings, um, if you will. But um, in one year, the first time, his first stint with the Vikings, he had a, a solid year where they went to the playoffs. And then in his second stint with the Vikings, they, he also had like a solid year. Um, where I think he went like 8-2 and two as a starter. So he had a couple of moments. But overall, Brad Johnson was pretty much just a game manager who, who you could bring in, who wouldn't really fuck shit up, but he couldn't move. I remember when he played with the Cowboys, and I was like, oh my God, he is the fucking Statue of Liberty back there. Like, he, he had a great arm. 
He was on, like, if you gave him the greatest offensive line, <clears throat> that's why he won a Super Bowl, as a matter of fact. I mean, he had a he had a really solid offense, but that defense also was amazing and fantastic. And it was just a really amazing year for the T- Tampa Bay Buccaneers overall. Um, actually, that season was one of his best career seasons. He went 10-3 and that season with the Buccaneers. And then he also had another 10-win season when he was with the Washington Redskins. They went 10-6 and there. Um, but I mean, his career record is a uh, seventy-two and fifty-three, so that's mediocre. Um, and then his uh, quarterback rating is an eighty-two point five, so once again mediocre. It's just he spent most of his time as a journeyman, and he, and he did what he did. He would step in, and if you needed him to make big plays, he could make some big plays. It's just overall, Brad Johnson was a very mediocre quarterback, and he is of course a Super Bowl champion, and you can't take that away from him. Then at number three on my top five mediocre Super Bowl champion quarterbacks, Jim McMahon. He uh, is uh, actually technically a two-time Super Bowl champion, but one of those he was a backup. Uh, the one where he was a starter was, of course, when he was with the Chicago Bears, Super Bowl twenty, the 1985 Bears. Um, but uh, he spent uh, the first like four years of his career with Chicago. Not terrible years. He, he did make it to the playoffs a majority of, t- of the time. Uh, but he spent most of his career injured. Um, and pretty much every team after that, he was with them for only like a year. So the other teams he ended up with, uh, the San Diego Chargers, Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, Arizona Cardinals, Cleveland Browns, and the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers was when he, he won as a backup Super Bowl 31, uh, when he was a backup for Brett Favre. But I mean, overall, I think Jim McMahon is, is pretty overrated. Most people actually think he was a good quarterback. And I, I've always looked at him as like, dude. He was just on a very, very, very excellent team. I mean, literally one of the most legendary uh, defenses of all time, the 85 Bears. Then you got Walter Payton, literally one of the most legendary running backs of all time. So the dude had weapons completely surrounding him. And then really, if you look at the rest of his career, um, even even with injuries, just being at, with a team for a year, it it just goes to show you really actually weren't that good. His career record uh, is a 67 and 30. So that's not terrible, but I mean, really his good years were with the bears. And like I said, legendary defense, Walter Payton, the end, because uh, here's his quarterback rating. His career quarterback rating is a 78.2. That's terrible. I'm sorry. He was not that good, very overrated. And uh, quite frankly, in my opinion, very lucky to uh, be uh, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears and to have be so revered as he he is with uh, the Bears. Uh, but still, he is a Super Bowl champion times two, and you can't take that away from him. Then at number two on my top five mediocre Super Bowl champion quarterbacks, Jeff Hostetler. Uh, he actually is a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, but uh, one, he was the backup quarterback. Uh, the second one, he was the starter. Uh, so he won Super Bowl 21, where he was the backup quarterback to Phil Sims, and then Super Bowl 25, where he actually took over for Phil Sims um, earlier in the season after Phil Sims went down with an injury. He actually stepped in and played played pretty solid, but for the most part, Jeff Hostetler, he he was begging for playing time so badly that he would actually try and volunteer to be like on the punt and kick return teams as the quarterback. So that's how terrible he was. Um, he spent most of his career with the New York Giants. He did um, uh, play with the Los Angeles slash Oakland Raiders for a while and then ended his career with the Washington Redskins. But he was a very, very mediocre quarterback. I mean, 
he was a backup for a lot of it, and he really did only take over because Phil Sims ended up getting injured. And he was he had once again another fantastic defense and a really solid offense and Bill Parcells as your coach. Um, and once he got once he left the Giants, he never did a goddamn thing ever the fuck again. His career record is fifty one and thirty two. Most of those wins are because um, he played with the Giants for Christ's sake. Um, his quarterback rating is a paltry 80.5. So Jeff Hostetler, to me, it's always been amazing to even say that he's a Super Bowl uh, champion, but he is, and you can't take that away from him. But number one on my top five mediocre Super Bowl champion quarterbacks is Nick Foles. He won Super Bowl 52 with the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, talk about journeyman. This guy has played with the Philadelphia Eagles, the St. Louis Rams, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles again, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Chicago Bears, and the Indianapolis Colts. And then finally just had to uh, just go off into non-existence. I don't even think he's officially retired. It's just nobody has signed his bunk ass. And, I mean, let's just start off with the obvious on this dude. This dude has never in his entire career started an entire season even when he won the Super Bowl, because he took over for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz got injured towards the end of the season that year, and then he just had this magical playoff run, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Um, and don't get me wrong, he he stepped in and played his role, but overall, Nick Foles is just straight-up backup. That's all he has ever been. The only time he starts is when he's not, or when, when somebody else is injured. So uh, he pretty much is, is one of the luckiest players of all time to even have a Super Bowl ring. Um, his career record is a 29 and 29. So that's the ultimate mediocrity right there. And his quarterback rating is an 86.2. So, uh, yeah, he's a pretty terrible quarterback, but guess what? He's won the Super Bowl, and you can't take that away from him. He even has a freaking statue outside of the Philadelphia Eagles stadium because it's one, it's, the play that pretty much won the Super Bowl for them. So congratulations to you, Nick Foles. You are literally one of the most mediocre motherfuckers to ever win a Super Bowl. But guess what? You got you a statue. So you can't take that shit away from him, can you? So, uh, yeah, that's uh, this week's Trop 5. Uh, try and get through this uh, depressing weekend of no football. Enjoy all the basketball because we've got plenty of college and NBA basketball on tap. And I will talk to you fools on Monday.